Welcome to another episode of Queer Hearts. I'm here with Mirage, and today we're going to be talking about authentic intersectionality. Mirage is a queer South Asian performing artist and community leader. And you're going to tell us a little bit more. And we're going to start off by asking, Mirage, where, where are you from? Tell us that. I find it very hard to answer that question in short. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I'm Indian by background, born to Indian parents in Dubai. So I grew up in Dubai pretty much all the way up till I was 18 before I would leave for college. So predominantly yeah. that's my background, the Middle East and India, yeah. amalgamation of both. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, like knowing knowing Dubai um, is, from what I understand, it's you can be legally prosecuted for um, representing queerness in any sort of way. Um, and I'm wondering if kind of how that might have started, if you want to go into a bit about yourself in those, in those years. Yeah, it was interesting because I realize this more now than when I was growing up, how much the Indian community was the backbone of the growth of that city, Dubai, mm. through the 80, late 70s even, that's when my father got there, mm. 80s and 90s, and I was born in 88, so grew up there in the 90s when everything was not quite what people think of Dubai today, mm -hmm. it was very simple lifestyle, humble, mm -hmm. like middle class background kind mm -hmm. of lifestyle, even outwardly, what yeah. you see today is not what it was like. Yeah. So the concept of queer and gay is so taboo in the, at least in the community that I grew up in. Right. Um, so that was one part of the learning through mm -hmm. school years and then learning the illegality of mm -hmm. it all was another layer mm. and I used to love reading the newspaper lick the newspaper clean cover to cover that mm -hmm, was a mm -hmm. ritual for me in the mornings yeah so they would sometimes cover stories around queer men being caught doing oh. things or sometimes even the stories would be around officials baiting queer people to mm. catch them oh, no. so those didn't feel great to read about and it was made to seem like people were caught engaging in activities that are deemed homosexual that would lead to the punishment. Mm. And I must say right off the bat, Dubai is a lot more tolerant mm. than say a place as extreme as Saudi Arabia. Okay. I, I grew to learn because of the internet and as I was mm. growing up internet was a thing suddenly and it mm -hmm. just opened up my world tried to find out more about who I am what what I why am I different what mm. it means and then in the context of where I was what it means yes. so I came to learn that many other Middle Eastern cities had different levels of severity of how they deal with queerness right in Iran they till date stone you to death Oh, wow. um, there's campaigns for people being outed neighbors mm. and there's all kinds of different punishments and styles of um, right. 
stopping people or punishing them that comes out. But mm. Dubai is more, if, if you're just homosexual and walking down the street, nobody's going to attack you or, or like punish you or pull you away. Sure. But there's always this feeling of you being you is not okay here. I so see. that's an undercurrent that lives right. through and through. Right. Being an Indian and in the community, right. like that layer was already there. And then on top of that, the illegality of it all was mm-hmm. a lot more severe than, say, India even mm-hmm. would. Yeah. Like the jailing or whatever the, 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 the offense is and how they right. charge you for it. Right. And you, yeah. it sounds like, yeah, from what you said, Dubai really wasn't what it was today. It kind of recently became hyper, hyper modern, well, yeah. very much so. Everything's so new there mm-hmm. with all the money. And so you perhaps maybe you even saw the culture of the city change. Um, what was that like or growing up during that time, perhaps? Yeah, so I came to learn that Dubai didn't even have its own, or UAE, I should say, didn't even have its own currency used to deal with rupees for trade. Wow, so Indian when, rupees, mm-hmm, yes. Because the South Asian subcontinent is so important to the growth story of Dubai mm-hmm. in general, or mm-hmm. the, the country itself. There was a point where I could confidently say growing up, uh, probably when I was under 10 years old, that it was 90% South Asian. Mm. was the population of that oh. of that town wow and it could be pakistani sri lankan indian bangladeshi sri, like that entire subcontinent yeah labor enterprise all levels of economic strata would be comprising of folks from these regions right so then that being your homogenous backdrop then evolving Mm. as I was growing up mm-hmm. and as floppy disks were changing to iPods yes, yes. I watched all these different nationalities come get in. a call to come in and the hospitality and trade mm. um, shopping mm-hmm. all these retail industries that were pulling people in to come for the shopping festival mm. hotel entertainment hospitality all of it started to balloon mm. and Dubai truly became a hub in the Middle East, much like the Sing- Sing- it was trying to copy Singapore's model uh, of being a port city and then also being a nexus for trade and business. I and see. conglomerates started opening their offices there uh, and all kinds of expat people just came through yes. from all parts of the world. America, mm-hmm. Australia, European countries, from everywhere, from every sphere. Mm-hmm. And that kind of started diluting that 90% that I said, but it's still mm-hmm. today a strong 65 to 70% wow. remains South Asian. Wow. Yeah. And that's arbitrarily. I'm, I don't, don't cite me or quote me on that. <laughs> but experientially what I know and yes. how I've grown up over there. And now when I go back and visit, I can, I mean, Indians in general also are just everywhere. Uh, yes, <laughs> so, yes. I mean, we've just crossed... China officially uh, mm. in being the most populous nation and mm-hmm. our exports are everywhere <laughs> yes, in every country absolutely. of the world. So. Very quickly growing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And so you, you got to see Dubai change the, mm. and saw those, the international kind of community effect, mm-hmm. um, effect of the city. Um, and then it, it sounds like 
from Dubai, you, you went to Australia. And mm-hmm. how did that happen? Yeah, I didn't, I never foresaw, especially being a queer kid and trying to like be very internal at home. Um, not really, I was a very quiet kid at home mm-hmm. and I had no lofty ideas of where I would go for studies. Mm. I also was born into a family setup where because of the immigration wave that happened along with my father's generation, mm. they all came to Dubai in, in the mid 70s and they all, my entire community is built of people from the same language speaking background, caste, whatever you want to call it. There mm. was a bunch of textile traders that mm. became textile merchants. Yes. And it was a, com- it was a group that did the same line of work and business in the same market. Yes. And the old part of Dubai next to the water, the creek where the museum is, this whole market exists even till today. Yeah. And it's wholesale traders of textiles. So that background and that backdrop basically had an expectation tied with it that if there's a family business, Mm -hmm. you're going to grow up to follow suit, especially if you're the only son. In my case, I was the only son. I have two older sisters, but I was expected to just grow up, get a regular arbitrary business degree Mm. and just come back, join your dad Mm -hmm. in the family business. Mm -hmm. So that was the expectation. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really care where I go to study. Yeah. Uh, cause it was already made. My yeah. life decisions were already made for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess the Australia thing happened when I was 15, 16, when I had moved with my family to this new apartment building and mm. I would find in the, in my senior year in, in school, mm-hmm. the last grade 11 and 12, I would find this new neighbor friend who lived right above my apartment actually Mm. who was very interested in going to Australia to study Mm. and he became my source of influence to consider Mm. Australia as a place to transfer to if not or start college in directly so once he got there and he told me how things go I kind of started pitching that idea to to my family And, and, and as a wave of immigrants who are now coming into from middle class to upper middle class territory uh-huh. and our society around us was becoming more and more open to like let's send our kids abroad to study I see. so it became almost like this thing that you have to show that i sent my kid abroad too wow. so and um, being the son yeah it was more warranted for them to send me versus my sisters there's always that I little see. misogyny in there for sure yeah, yeah. so um couple of my cousins and my extended family that are there were already people who had been to Australia wow. and studied in this particular university outside of Sydney. So I was kind of finding favor mm. from my parents in, wow. this, in this decision. Great, right, right uh, time. Yeah, yeah, and I was just beginning to chat with, I don't know, queer men in uh, chat rooms online and I discovering yes, yes. what San Francisco means to the world in, in terms of queer in, in queer terminology. I see. And and that Sydney is also somewhere one could could, could be gay or like gay. there's yeah. avenues to explore there. Yes. So I was somehow finding an undercurrent of motivation to make it happen. Yes. And I had a peer uh, right above me my in my neighbor yes. who was doing that. So my parents were feeling more and more. Yes in their own limited way supported me in this idea yes that okay yes. you can you can do this and it'll be good for you uh, yes. uh, and for your growth 
Yeah. And you, of course, you know, not, did you exclude the secondary queer exploration yes. reason? Yeah. Yes, I had to hide that part <laughs> yeah. through my stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's beautiful that the stars kind of aligned in this case. Mm. And um, c- can I ask when you knew kind of in that upbringing you were different and that you needed to seek, you know, those parts of yourself that you couldn't express? Yeah, I think it was probably around grade five, which would be around grade, like age 11, I would say, yeah. onwards. More so the next grade up, grade six, I started noticing how my own classmates mm-hmm. were treating me differently. Oh, yeah. And nobody would say anything to me at home much, mm. much so. But right. um, I found I was also in a technically in a boys school. Mm-hmm. Um, in Dubai, you don't have kids like girls and boys studying in the same room. Got it. It's split in two separate buildings or two yeah. different shifts. So I had afternoon school wow. where it would just be boys and in the morning it would be girls who would leave and boys would enter the campus. Wow. It was kind of like that. And in any case, when you're like getting into that pre-pubescent age, you are interested in girls and I think I wasn't as interested. I was mm. very excited that I was going to the new campus where it was grade 5 to grade 12 and I would get to see like, I guess seniors and mm. I was just enamored mm-hmm. by these tall seniors doing just walking around so confidently and I was just <laughs> I was just yes. so intrigued by their young chiseled handsome young like faces mm-hmm. 16 going 15 yeah. going on 16 so I was just right. very attracted by all of that right and because I wasn't so vocal about what other boys were talking about which was girls and boobs yeah. and like internet and websites where you can go in find more boobs to look at oh wow so, so ha- happening in dubai yes. yeah so like <laughs> the internet was quite right. quite a gift i suppose yes, yes for um our age group and then yeah i found some some boys showing me attention but weirdly wouldn't claim that mm. they were giving me that kind of attention out and about it was always mm. feeling like a secret mm. and i was like what is going on? Suddenly my sister is also asking me not to be very emotive or expressive with my face or my gestures mm, or being yeah. critical of how I walk yep. or whatever little sway I had. Yeah. And my father also sub kind of subliminal messaging about like, oh, you know, that that person or like that actor, such a great personality. Mm. You, sh- you should notice how he do does things. Or I like, see, I see. so those kind of, commentary yeah. and like feeling less than or like I'm not yeah meeting some expectation or yeah those kind of things started happening yes and uh, yeah I just I just like I mentioned chat rooms earlier yes. so I kind of wanted to dive into the internet and figure out why yes people are saying these things about me and the word gay came up in the uh, dictionary once uh, at yeah. some point I used to play these dictionary word I was such a nerd I was playing these, yeah. these like <laughs> word games with yeah. semi-seniors on the bus ride home yes uh and i was making friends that way through academics can you believe it oh, like absolutely. such a good indian son uh, <laughs> um but yeah. i was pretty grade a kind of student and mm-hmm. never give any trouble at home so this was the one thing that would bog me down in my time in my own peace and wow. in my quiet it's like this is this one piece that i was probably overcompensating for yeah. by being the perfect kid otherwise oh of course and um of course yes. yeah 
I know that story. It's mm-hmm. also the, yes, the model child, big mm. nerd, did all the academics, did all the clubs, mm-hmm. um, did not do the sports. Um, <laughs> yes. And that was how I connected with people because, I mean, for me, I, I couldn't connect with the other side, the human mm. side. The deeper human side wouldn't be let out. It had to be through achievement mm. and intellect mm. um, because that's what, I, that's what I could share and what I could develop skills in um so the other part had to come later um for me and it was um a, a beautiful that you mentioned you know it just seemed to be a dictionary where you first found out you know it, it's funny like you can find definitions of hetero and homosexual but by just finding one definition it kind of leaves the question of of well if there's a word for this then what else might there be you know because i i grew up and it sounds similar for you and with the default is just that the, everyone is the same and men like women and there are men and there are women and the traits that they have are different and distinct they don't overlap um and then you, know, you start to find words <laughs> to, to describe things you realize oh there might be more words you looked it up in a dictionary it sounds like and then tell me more about you, you use the internet to find out more and to connect yeah i think my the first one that I remember, like entering words in the, you know, search field yeah. before Google was Google. Yeah. You had these websites like altavista.com or something. I don't remember yeah. exactly, yeah. but search engines like that and looking up uh, the word gay and uh, the results would show things like celebrity names matched with the word gay. Mm. So I, I saw gay Ricky Martin show up and I was a huge fan of the song. Um, um, she bangs or like live in La Vida Loca all mm-hmm. of this stuff and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. growing up watching his song become popular for the like France World Cup that happened the FIFA Ale 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 and that's when mm-hmm. I realized like on the one hand I'm watching Channel V and feeling very attracted to Britney Spears doing I'm a Slave for You mm-hmm. and on the other hand I'm watching Ricky Martin doing this thing with yes. his hips and I'm like I want to look at that and then yeah. the internet kind of like helping me realize yeah. what what being what does it even mean to be gay or like I was so fearful at the same time and anybody walking behind me on this dial up internet connected computer right and I would like before pixel by pixel <laughs> load yes, that yes. if anybody if I heard a simple sound behind me I would cross out all the browser windows yeah that's how secretive it had to be because I knew I was venturing into a zone that either nobody had vocabulary right. to talk about with me because nobody yeah. had said anything right but I had begun to notice how these behaviors I was seeing in my environment with my classmates yeah. and, and all these comments coming my way was beginning to feel like mm-hmm. the caric- caricature of characters that I was seeing in Hindi movies mm. or popular culture, how someone who would have characteristics that I was beginning to show would be the butt of a joke mm. or would be uh, this, just someone that everybody could pick on. Mm-hmm. Or, or make light of right. so that had begun art had started to imitate yes. life in this case and I just couldn't figure out why like everybody was fine with me up until I was in grade 4 or grade 5 what right. happened suddenly yes so that sudden switch yes from everybody around just felt unwarranted mm-hmm. and annoying and led me to, down this path of curiosity with the yeah. internet yeah and the words and what they mean started to feel so heavy like why 
accepted is what gave you so wrong to be described by yes and the weight of it all what it means to be gay and the word gay itself mm-hmm. and there was like all there was a slur mm. that was very popular in the hindi language at that time that my classmates had started using for me to address uh, me mm. so i never faced physical abuse mm. in school thank god because that, that's another layer of healing that you have to deal with Absolutely, later yeah. but i was definitely called names and picked on for no reason yeah. and i found my smarts or my academics or my notes that people wanted as mm. my bargaining chip to keep me out of yeah their mouths basically Yeah. So I really leaned in hard on becoming that the smartest person in the room. <laughs> yes, and I also yes. was known to be in the school mm-hmm. choir, so which yep. my parents didn't care for. They didn't they knew I had a flair for dancing, but they mm. didn't at a family function I did a number from a very popular song that was very like well loved at that time and I did a good job and I knew it. Mm. And my sisters were always help like supportive of me mm. uh aping a move from a music video mm. and like repeating it and showing that I can do it and mm-hmm. in India we do actually believe in showcasing a kid's talent in that sense like oh aunt and uncle is here dance show them what you can do yeah. sing or dance or whatever yeah, absolutely and suddenly the dancing piece was seen as something as not as important or almost mm. shameful mm. to showcase at least mm-hmm. from my father's side i was oh. in grade 8 and this beautiful number that i picked right. up choreography from series from the tv Suddenly, they didn't want um, anybody in our extended family to see me do that again in any other way, yeah. shape or form. That brought in shame for dance, and I kept it to just summer dancing yeah. for like lessons that I took on yeah. my own time. They didn't want any of that to parlay into the like the academic part of the life. I see. And um, Indian parents are more about focus on your education. You need to get a better position in life. if you get good degree and a good education so everything that detracts from that yep. no need right so since, since, <laughs> since, although I, they did let me sing in the in school the choir. choir till grade 11 i think i see um well fun i was also in choir yes the choir boy archetype um <laughs> classic classic um and so we've really got a good picture of, of dubai now and suddenly for college was it you went to Australia. Yeah. And we've already touched on this relationship to music and dance. Mm-hmm. Um tell me about now this journey to Australia and what what emerged. So I found the shame that I had for dance suddenly became my unique selling point in mm. my first year in Dubai University life. I joined an Australian college. Ah, okay. Which then would allow me the credits to go transfer to Australia to Sydney right. directly although the college was University of Wollongong and that's a town outside of Sydney I started in the Dubai campus of that Wollongong University and found suddenly surrounded by all these mix of students from all these different backgrounds there was Ukrainians there was Asians there was Iranians there was other Middle Eastern backgrounds and there was fellow Indians too yeah and I found that they had a dance club wow yes and I they noticed me in a christmas party that i was like really throwing it down and yeah. they're like you need to join you need to come for audition it's <laughs> like yes. okay and then i got into this space of i was already doing good with academics and all of this stuff and then suddenly they were yeah. like you need to join this crew because we're doing intercollege competitions and wow. through that process i've developed such 
good relationships with these seniors in this college life that I was having and there came a point that I had to transfer so it felt like I was leaving this newfound confidence and joy around dance and expressing it outward like that mm-hmm. in a group number sure yeah but my my contribution was being recognized as good absolutely and I was part of something big yeah than bigger than myself so all of that was something I wanted to continue so when I went to Australia yeah I sought out um, dancing with Sydney dance company furthering my interest in hip-hop and I'd already been trained in Bollywood and hip-hop classes Wow so I wanted to take on a new flavor so I started learning Latin ballroom styles Wow as well yes. and they offered it at the university uh-huh. and while I was looking up all this programming Wow I came across you know um, I always knew going to Australia would mean a lot of different things mm-hmm. uh, and an ability to explore mm-hmm. uh, other aspects of myself that I was so fearful about mm-hmm. and I don't know I just wanted to see in the university college campus mm-hmm. we had this magazine for students that would have programming and I found something called a queer club or like a particular uh. Uh, time assigned for every week it was mm-hmm. like a Thursday or something where it was like an afternoon hour that was mm. like a walk-in kind of hour mm-hmm. and that's where I first found a recognition of mm-hmm. being acknowledged as a queer person who's come from far away mm-hmm. and they were so welcoming the, the leaders yeah. of that club and they just sat me down much like today like yes. sitting me down <laughs> like please have a seat on this couch and tell us everything yes. what's going on yeah. where are you from what's going on what's what's your journey like absolutely and they were so lovely and mm. they wanted me to come back more and talk more and be there for me and they mm. started organizing events where i could consider mm. joining them and explore the yeah. scene yeah um, events like going going out together yeah, yeah. much like San Francisco has Castro. They have something called Oxford Street in Sydney. Yeah. And their bar Stonewall was the most popular one. Yeah. That's where we started. And it, it was with a meal in a Thai restaurant at first. Um, you don't know this, but Thai food is really popular in Australia. Like okay. super, super popular. Okay, okay. Like way before the wave started here. I, okay. I <laughs> uh, but uh, that's, where, that's how uh, it began. Like I just right. had this safe group of people to just be myself with and Absolutely. go out with them and just feel out what it feels like to be out in a gay club right even right <laughs> um, and to be around people who are like me and like just like yeah. bushy tailed and wide-eyed just observing and soaking every kylie drag numbers that was yeah playing out in front of yes. me and yeah. um it just felt like I had a Cinderella story almost that first night out where I was like, yes. it's 12 o'clock. I need to rush back home to the friend I was staying with and oh. their family. I promised them I wouldn't be late because I oh. made, made a lie around like, I'm going out with my Latin ballroom friends and they've invited me for the social. So right. I'll be late. Right. But here I was running <laughs> in the rain towards this bus that would take me back because the trains had stopped running. Oh, no. <laughs> and I had left the arms of this burly man who Oof. I had just gotten comfortable letting dance with me oh i had to to, like really bold from there exactly at midnight Uh, so that was my first experience being uh, out and about in australia (laughs) being gay yes oh yes so that was a some that was a new exciting feeling and i was like wow i could actually explore this while i'm away from 
my family's glare or anyone in society really knowing who I am because mm. my name back home came with a surname which everybody knew mm. so there was so much of a pressure to just stay closeted right and I didn't know if I was ready to really really come out in Australia but right at least there was an outlet to just right. be myself into right you and know yeah not surrounded by the, the weight of expectations yeah a surname that carries yeah so much that carries those right yeah, absolutely. Like a legacy behind it so wow um and so i mean wow you were getting into you were getting into other styles of music and dance you were exploring queerness meeting other people um and i think during this time did your relationship to music start to to start to shift you stepping into that dancing and yeah you're absolutely catching on to something there because what happened with me, the part of dance that I was hiding, it, it got just recently before traveling to Australia and moving there for studies, mm-hmm. it had just gotten a positive sign of approval from my peers that you're right. good at this, you can do this and you should do more of it. Right. Mm, even for singing, my Indian music teacher in school, it was an Indian education system, even though the language was English always, we had... Mm-hmm. Uh, subject and Mm. music was also taught in English and in Hindi Mm. so I chose Hindi and my Indian music teacher was very strong proponent for letting me learn more and dive in more into my singing which my parents didn't allow me to do so uh, from from being stalled and stifled from the home front to then coming into my own in the first year of college at least with dance and then having the gumption to follow through Mm-hmm. with that newfound drive to keep learning more in Australia and then leaving my f- neighbor friend that I first started living with in Australia as a launching off point and then finding yeah. international student housing yeah, and ending up in an apartment with four others where one of them was a drag queen wow. so here I was <laughs> like far yes. away a big giant mirror had been placed in front of me in the shape of my roommate who was yes. a drag queen Australian yes. also fellow 19 year old at that point right um, and my fears and my closetedness was being yeah. checked right there at my own living quarters absolutely and I went with them to a which is now not a politically correct term but at back then it was called a tranny club yeah and they, it was called the taxi club yeah and they were performing a drag number and they were doing the whole routine the number they had crates of yeah. leather boots and all these things in the house and <laughs> yes, it was a party yes. house i could tell they had malibus and jamesons and all of these things with <laughs> like right. hawaiian lays all over everything right. and i was like what have i entered into right. things are about to be different yeah. i could tell <laughs> that the next two years are going to be different yes. and yes Nathan was his name um, outside mm. of drag. I can't even recall what their drag, drag name was. name was. But sure. Nathan was my source of information. Mm. They taught me what poppers were. Yes. They taught me what uh, what being a transsexual means or mm. and what pre-op, post-op means. Right. Um, but it didn't go so much into trying to... I think they were sharing all of this to, to let me in into that... Mm-hmm. vocabulary mm-hmm. to teach me but also they had an inclination of maybe I was queer too and they were trying to like get mm. something out of me so they would invite me to the taxi club mm. and I would go see performances along with other straight 
friends that we had mm. so I would go along as a participant an open minded participant who I was see. not still ready to reveal to come out yet yeah wow yeah but I had already started online dating so ah. internet you right. know they had something yes. called gaydar.com.au that was plastered uh-huh. on a bus wow bus ad exactly <laughs> in australia in 2007 yes. and 8 so yes, i was like yes. okay let's give that a go because <laughs> secrecy yes so you got to yeah. still be in secret communication mm-hmm. i already mentioned chat rooms had already begun to be a thing for me mm-hmm. on msn so this was an evolution of that okay exclusive dating website so let's start there mm-hmm. and i um would find another one later called planet romeo mm-hmm. yeah uh, big one and and i would make all these skype connections yes and i would try to meet all these people and like leave my apartment unit yeah. without saying anything yeah. and even though i was finding a lot of favor and people just liking me for who i was with no commentary like i was receiving back in school times yeah. or my own sibling sister or my father none of that commentary was coming my way judging me for 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 how i be mm-hmm. how i behave or my expressions my eyebrow moving <laughs> my facial muscles my animated self none of that was being questioned in fact in the student accommodation complex uh we had all these socials and mixers and mm. potlucks and gatherings and i was learning that people found me to be the life of the party actually wow, yeah. and i was able to parlay that because i was really good at I liked to dance and and that's how mm-hmm. it showed up in my world yeah. and and pe- I was pu- pulling peeling people off their chairs like come yes, dance come like dance, even if you're yes. full so I was like gaining a reputation where people thought I was fun and yes. funny and just they find joy in being around me and inviting me to things so that wow. party that party 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 kind of a, you know yeah. uh identity took root then in becoming a bollywood event planner yes so yes. an australian guy along with my best wow. friend from my accommodation complex mm-hmm. the both of us went in as south asian participants mm-hmm. of this focus group and uh, walked out being given the project like launch one yeah. and we called it tantra nights wow, and yeah. i did all of it like i worked to create facebook uh, yeah. pages page Absolutely, for it event yeah. page for it the design the poster and yeah, we hired a dj from melbourne yeah. to flew them in wow. it was like a whole operation and suddenly i was finding so you're doing recognition. Event planning. Yeah, yeah i was i was finding uh, spending time with the student was one thing and then doing event planning was another and yeah. uh, you were allowed only 20 hours to work as an international student at that time yeah so i was doing part time retail work too wow classic gay job right yes so um <laughs> Uh, I was I was well loved for my folding skills and keeping things neat and yeah. being personable to all the Australian people oh trying to buy th- like pajmina shawls and soft uh-huh. soft polos and chinos from me. Yes. So uh, it wasn't like a Bloomingdale's kind of place. So I all see. of this experience of like being out there in a foreign country interacting with all these different walks of life, different yes. nationalities just expanded my world view so fast. Right. And picking up on all these nuances Irish accents, Scottish accents, Australian, even within English. I learned so many different nuances mm-hmm. and then I was having a hidden life with all these dates yes. that I was having on the side right. where I was not willing to tell all of these people who were right. liking me for who I am, right. but I still wasn't finding the 
hmm. strength to tell them I who see. I was. They could see that I love dancing. They could see that yes. I love, uh, you know, doing all these things. Yes. And uh, they never detracted me from doing those things. Mm-hmm. They supported it. Mm-hmm. But the confidence that I had from dancing only got me more girls magnetizing towards me. Oh. So, <laughs> as college things go, I see. I, I sometimes played around with the idea of dating women because right. I was so afraid of leaning into becoming someone like Nathan. I see. I, I wasn't fearing turning into a drag queen because that was also a very fearful thought. Like, mm. who am I? What does this mean for me? Right. There was just so much going on inside. Yeah. But I kept going to gay clubs alone yeah. and making friends online and trying to see them there. Or yeah. Yeah. Th- that's how the gay life and then the, the the creativity that comes from being gay yes, was absolutely. being being challenged in so many ways. Absolutely. So yeah, it was a confusing time of like, how do I marry the two the identities? Two identities and um, I guess the event planning allowed me to just be gregarious and be open and yes. meeting people and just yes. be with them on the dance floor. Yes. But then I kept my gay side of my life. It's very opposite. I couldn't be as free in those gay spaces mm-hmm. and just go crazy being myself. Yeah. Because I didn't really have a group to go with mm. until an Italian boy showed up in the accommodation complex and he was so beautiful, such a beautiful Uh-oh. smile and he was open <laughs> and yes. free. Uh, and one of his roommates was a friend of mine from before already now. Mm. So we would go out together to Stonewall and all these places and I would be again a participant I by see. extension being a straight friend from his I see. world, just going along with him I see. for the ride. and. I would dance, but I would I wouldn't express myself fully. Oh, I see. So still these separate worlds, and yeah. even in the hidden world, yeah, still not, still not expressing fully in public. No, no. Um, it sounds like there might have been a, a dance with with an, another man at one point, but still, yeah. and I, I I yeah I I get that it's it's kind of the showing up showing what the world sees as valuable giving them that and hiding the things that you're worried that might detract from that or might get, you know cause them to stop giving you opportunities to grow and um it's hilarious how you know we can learn to be such good event planners and speakers yeah. and socialites um as queer people uh and know all the right things to say and yeah. the right ways to respond um and behave um while we also know what to <laughs> put below you know a, put behind a closed door if you will yeah um so you lived you lived these two lives making progress towards perhaps something that's more unified because yeah. you were still exploring each one yeah um and then somehow you got to here san francisco yeah and how did that happen right so i was like i mentioned expected to join my father back in business right but i gave that a fair shake for you went back. I went back. Dubai. I went back to Dubai. I even considered getting permanent residency in Australia. I was very close to it, but at that point, my father was really needing me to come back because uh, he I was see. losing someone as his key right hand man who was his staff for thirteen years, and he really needed me to come and swap in and step in. Uh, I see. So responsibility and expectation called. Yes. And I answered that call, and in some way, naively, I thought everything that I was doing in Australia was an episode 
for a chapter. I see. And that I have to go back to that life in Dubai and just be the son they need me to be, including I potentially see. getting married to a woman one day. Yeah. Right? That was the expectation. You just kind of All my cousins yeah. were doing the same thing. You had closed the Australia book and just opened right back the Dubai book. and Seemingly. Yeah. And then I found that Dubai had its own uh, underground scene because of planetromeo.com which oh, wow. somehow was still functional because in Dubai I mean apps were not a thing iPhones had just come out so yeah. um, websites were still the order of the day and right. Planet Romeo was the only website that didn't have the word gay in it in the URL right. so it was not blocked Oh. so I was able <laughs> I was able to make Dubai connections upon yes. returning Wow. And lo and behold, I learned that that apartment that I had moved into yeah. with my parents as a 15-year-old, uh, where I found my upstairs neighbor, yeah. that exact area of Dubai had a hotel where they had underground gay parties. Wow. And I had returned a 21-year-old yeah. ready to take on a gay club in Dubai legally, yeah. entering as a 21-year-old. Right. And in Australia, it's 18 plus for clubs. Right. So I... As mm, alignment yes. would have, yes. I was just eighteen and able to go to gay clubs <laughs> yes. in Australia yes. and learn learn to drink or my increase exactly. my capacity in Australia like in true exactly. Australian yes. form. Yes. <laughs> so oh my goodness! Yeah. All of that was uh, yeah. leading me to a point where I was leading two lives. I was having, and I I was living wow. with my parents as an yes. Indian son. You live with your parents. Yeah. Even, Especially if you're in the family business, you're not going anywhere. You're right. going to get married and you're going to bring that girl into the house. Yeah. And there'll be kids and three generations will live together. Wow. That's the expectation. So here I was, 21-year-old, doing my father's bidding, right. offering him support. I reached a point in 2012, like two and a half or so years later, where I was just like, something's got to give. Mm. This is not healthy for me I don't know what I want to do with my life how do I get out of this responsibility mm -hmm. right so I told my dad I want to pursue masters and yeah um, in our own family network I had just met this girl who was someone who I had danced with in the past in these summer dance lessons wow. actually who just showed up in my life uh, happens to be my brother-in-law's best friend or from and they just showed up in each other's circle like that and she said Oh, I went to this business school, by the way, that you can start in Dubai and end up in San Francisco. Oh. And I had this desire <laughs> to go somewhere where I can get a go around again. Yes. And not be closeted this time. Yeah. And I feel like if I'm going to get married, if I'm going to go down this path, yeah. I need to go somewhere where I can give myself a chance to be myself again. Yes. yes. Properly. Yes. yes. So that completely master, new, completely yeah, new person. Scratch. Just, just go at it. Just rewrite the <laughs> yes. story. And this time, leave no double life. No. Right. I'll be one person. Right. I'll find a gay roommate to live with yeah. in San Francisco. <laughs> so you so knew, I don't have to, you, at least yeah. internally, you really yeah. Very accepted that. Very intentionally, yeah. Okay. And that internal shift is important as well mm -hmm. because I, I've certainly lied to myself in the past and it's one of the worst lies because it keeps you really unsure of what's wrong because if you can't admit to yourself you yeah know? and so at some point you had a shift in consciousness that was you knew the truth yeah and you knew a way to to go yeah. after it so you come to san francisco yeah um and landing here what do you do well, so that first time around was just five months because it was a master's program and I okay. did what I set out to do. I lived those four or five months as if it was a lifetime. I went out, I made all these friends, even from oh. my own class. 
I had a friend who would then um, become a friend for life. Wow. And uh, they, he's American, American student in my class, mm-hmm. uh, Travis. And as we would graduate and all leave and go our separate ways, I came back to Dubai with, again, a renewed knowledge of what I am missing out on. All the opportunities, Dubai dating, underground scenes, yeah. uh, it was not yielding any result. It was all behind closed doors. Nobody was willing to be bold or like move in together or yeah. like go for a movie date or a restaurant date. Everything had to be behind closed doors, right. like a very closeted scene. Right. So mm. I haven't, having tasted San Francisco life, I had been to right. Juanita's Pride Party. In right. 2013, yes, yes. Uh, in the summer, this when uh, yeah. that was my first reference point. So it's like an uh, outdoor queerness, costumes, color, drag, glitter, drag yeah, non-binary. Outfits. I mean, all of it. Feel, I was like holding a kid. hands in the street. So much to yes. do with all of that, and I experienced. I dated some. I dated a little bit while I was there in those five mm-hmm. months, and I felt such freedom in just holding hands, walking down the pier. Mm. That that freedom, I I had learned now. Mm-hmm by this time that I needed to come back to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So ultimately three years would pass and I would switch out of my father's business by claiming that I want to do social media marketing mm-hmm. as a result of my master's program. I see. He said, fine, do what you want to do. Wow. But he was still pressuring me for marriage. Mm. But there came a point where I was like, I have successfully transitioned to healthcare marketing, which I still do, by the way, that's my day job. But, um, I needed to leave. I yeah. need to move, and I came. I had come out to my mom at some point before this program wow. started, but wow. uh, in 2016 is when I decided to tell my dad finally, wow. and I told him, "No, I can't get married. Yeah. This is the reason. Yeah. And I need to go elsewhere, like I'm San Francisco. Yeah. Like my own, pursue my own path on mm. my own." Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, I thought he was going to like throw me out of the house and disown me, but he said, go for it. Wow. Uh, if you're happy, I'll be happy. Like he tried to offer, why don't you marry a lesbian or why don't you just, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like, but why? Or like, wh- why for society yes. are you, I just came out to you, dad. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be truthful mm-hmm. and authentic because mm-hmm. I just realized life is short. Mm-hmm. I need to live. I need to give myself a full shot at a full life mm. with like the with its full potential absolutely so san francisco was that one place where i feel like i could truly come back to and start blooming into my authentic self I see. so to that to serve that need mm. is when i told my dad about myself so i can just go free that i've done my part yeah. made my peace yeah. said my peace yeah and i'm gonna go absolutely so when i got that green light travis would then receive me in san francisco wow and I came in as an asylum seeker. Mm. Uh, he offered to marry me and I said no because I, I knew better not to intertwine our lives legally like that. Yeah. And I just pursued a path solo. Yeah. Uh, applied for uh, asylum and that would lead me to a few months later get my work wow. permit and yeah. and I was navigating the healthcare system here Yeah. and I was on the city's insurance. Yeah. Learned about, you know, services around sexual health screenings yep. and uh, se- yep. sexual health education yep. and how people were so open here mm-hmm. and just sexually positive 
just Very sex positivity, yes. body positivity. I got a lot of messaging around me. Things had changed yes. from 2013 to 2016 as well between the yes. two visits. Yeah. Uh, Obama's presidency was coming to an end. Mm. I watched Trump get elected as I got my work permit. Yes. It was crazy. Yes. And somehow moving through the motions of having moved here to properly move here with no plan. I had two bags, no plan, some savings, right. and I was just out here right. trying to, <laughs> trying to, trying to make, make it. it. Yeah. And I didn't find San Francisco to be this time around as warm as I needed it to be for someone who was going to start a life a here. A whole new life, yeah. So as wor- as my I had to work under the table, mm-hmm. I worked in restaurant jobs, mm-hmm. I was a host for a whole year. Yes. In the middle of which I got my work permit, but it took me a while before I got my current mm. healthcare marketing day job. Right. So during that first year, I did a lot of watching and observing, right. almost like David Attenborough mm-hmm. narrating something about <laughs> animals like, yes, from a distance. Yes, yes. So I was just observing the gay creature, the gay man yeah. in San Francisco. <laughs> who, who is a specific breed, yes. Yeah, uh, and I suddenly learned about Drag Race and RuPaul and all uh, this kind of banter uh, yes. in bars and clubs, and I was... Yes just learning what it was like to be gay in San Francisco and picking up on all of this stuff. Yes. Um, Which is, you know, so important that it's our, our way of, of being queer in San Francisco different from, different from elsewhere. Although large international things like drag race have certainly pushed a specific culture and lens and vocabulary (laughs) across the world. And that's a beautiful thing um, because the show does a lot um, but it's not, it's not all of us, um, and it's not everything, it's not the only way to see it. No. You mentioned um, in San Francisco kind of reacquainting with spirituality and kind yeah. of like, um, if, you know, I, I want to hear your perspective on this, and it means a lot to me because for me, coming to San Francisco uh, and coming out was, was beautiful because, it, like you said, like, um, sexual freedom, immediate prep, a bottle of prep, which you know stops you from getting infected with HIV. In my hands, like within the first week, I landed here, and I was like, "Wow, this magical thing is going to stop me from getting this life-threatening disease." And then rainbows and gay marriage and all of these beautiful things. Um, but at that point, I was very devoid of spirituality. Right. I rejected it. Right. Um, and then I think you you start to realize um, that there's something there's something more than just this you know this the sex and the parties and um drag race and all these other like things you can buy um that there's something at a community level um and that there's something even more to to this expression yeah so i mean i already had a i grew up in a household where my dad was very uh pious so or at least believed in a lot of he was very spiritual in his own way hinduism mm. he's very secular he believed in jesus like allah he's very secular he just yeah. believes in his faith so much that there is Absolutely. a bigger thing out there i found myself at odds even though i grew up really revering say idols like shiva ganesha these are the mm-hmm. reference points from from my mm-hmm. world because mm-hmm. it's, it's not a monolithic religion there's it's a it's got multiple idols and gods. Yeah. So, um, I had my reference points, but I grew to not align uh, because I was in deep despair over why I'm am I gay, mm-hmm. and 
I think that darkness carries through with us through our developmental years and through the hiding of our shame and our expression and dating and doing everything behind the scenes, behind closed doors. Yeah. Feeling like a secret, feeling like you're wrong. Right. Or feeling like you don't you shouldn't be existing. Right. And slowly but surely I started becoming very reflective and internal and mm. through these little steps that were happening I got my work permit I got my asylum interview right after surprisingly yeah I was supposed to be a three-year wait according to my lawyer and suddenly eight months in with my work permit in hand wow. this interview happened right away and then they told me after a year you can apply for your green card wow. so I was making headway in right. terms of planting my roots down in San Francisco right. but a bigger question had started to emerge instead of just surviving right. and getting the day job sorted which I had now right. I needed to figure out what else I wanted my life to be about yes what is the meaning there's being here and fighting yes. this hard to be here yeah right it had to mean something so what I found was as happy as I was to yes. be in San Francisco and have the freedoms and have pride and have all the rights and yeah. right to expression and, and freedom to do so I had begun to feel a sense of not blending in mm. or assimilating mm. as much as I would have liked to in mm. San Francisco I prided myself on being an extrovert and making friends with different nationalities and all of those kind of things Absolutely. I was finding it particularly challenge challenging in San Francisco mm. um, I don't know what it was, maybe it was my immigrant self or my sensibilities or my sense of humor not translating through with the medium of the English language. Mm. I was lucky to, to have yes. the level of vocabulary that I do from my education, but there are a lot of other Indian kids I found out there, mm. queer kids myself, who were just not finding themselves represented in the scene. I see. And I could see the physical discomfort and anxiety on our faces when I would collectively feel as South Asians I could see and recognize mm. what I was feeling inside was also something even yeah. expressed to me on dating apps but fellow Indian profiles writing to me and talking about how much they want to just lean back into their culture mm. but also feel pressure to conform with whatever the norm is yeah. out here yeah. um, and not to mince words it's a movement of representation these days mm -hmm. black folks Latinx folks now South Asian folks everybody wants to bring what their identity is and what their mm -hmm. life experience is into their queerness mm -hmm. and that became a calling for me yeah. because I was happy with my day job but I wanted to do more so I volunteered Absolutely. for Queer Therapy Collective Yeah. and through that modality of just being a board member for such a collective oh, wow. by queer people and for queer people it was mm -hmm. Queer Life Space they yes. operate yes. in San Francisco yes. I was so close to people were like you need to be a therapist all my life I've heard this <laughs> because all of yes. my friends would tell me their secrets and like I would yes. reorient them into a place of not being as anxious about yes. something that they're grappling with yes. so I found the restaurant staffers that I eventually would leave working for because or working with because I got my day job but even those strangers those almost same age like people would find solace and uh, talking to me about their stuff mm -hmm. so I was beginning to learn that well I want to volunteer so I'm doing this but I also should consider maybe pursuing psychology as a pathway sure but in all of that intention a lot of self-reflection happened 
and I was looking for larger purpose. Mm. And it just, I was trying to find what that is. How can I convert what I'm good at? Yes. Into something that would be life purpose for me. Right. And also something that turns out to be that society also needs. Yes. So the spiritual piece came from a lot of self-reflection. Absolutely. And I was quickly learning that my effeminate ways were also not welcome in the community mm. and I felt shut out and um, of social circles even mm. or like not included anymore mm. whoever the cooler kids were um, my animated self was not welcome mm. and whether it was my accent or whatever made me not feel like I could be part of even the Indian Americans that I met yeah. would, would have a certain stance towards me or certain aversion towards me yeah so I thought well I'm good at dancing I'm, I'm good at performing I had tremendous st- stage experience that I've accumulated Absolutely. by this point so and I found this drag culture this this is such a through line mm. in the San Francisco social scene too people talking yeah. like drag queens making jokes like their favorite ones or using lines that they said in the show yes yes that's where I started feeling like, oh my God, these people are celebrating drag culture on one mm-hmm. hand, but rejecting femininity in each other. There was so much internal misogyny mm-hmm. and um, yeah. internalized homophobia and shame around feminine attributes that I found. Yeah. I was like, why are we rejecting each other in a place like San Francisco for these things? I thought we left all of this behind. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the layer of not seeing South Asian representation on on the stage. And I started noticing that the scene here had a lot of alcohol abuse, drug abuse, Mm -hmm. even sex addiction to some extent. Mm -hmm. So I was in a very far removed, bigger picture headspace where I just thought, what is this? Why Mm -hmm. is queer culture or queer behavior centered around repetitive, addictive behavior? Reflecting and realizing that the divine feminine masculine combo that I found in Shiva. Mm. There's a dancing avatar of Shiva, the mm-hmm. Natraja, mm-hmm. which is what I started using as my framework of reference for religion for me personally. Yeah. Dance is when I found is where I was genderless. Yeah. Much like how you mentioned at some point earlier today when we met around your yes. experience with dance and, yes, and wanting yes. to remove the gender out of it and yeah. just feeling free in your body to just freaking move like a child does. Absolutely. That's what was... Yeah, no longer policing the movements based on what gender they am. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are used by and um, how I should be presenting and just flowing. Yeah, Absolutely. and that same sister that was questioning my eyebrow movements and my facial movements and my animated yeah. behavior later in life was the same one. As a kid, we would dance together to our right. favorite songs and it was not a matter right. so I was trying to go back to my child self essentially which right. brought me into my spirituality which brought me back to my connection to Shiva but I right. found a version of Shiva in Nataraja right. that was the dancing avatar that was divine masculine feminine fused together yeah absolutely so that became my framework which then mm. led me to drag and why mm-hmm. someone asked me a Latino guy who ran a party at one of these venues called El Rio mm a Latin daytime party and he's like I want to do a Bollywood version hmm. and I don't know why maybe through social media how Facebook works right. but they were like 
I want to ask you because you seem to know a lot of Indian people. Yeah. Um, and you've planned Bollywood parties, but he didn't know that. He didn't. Nobody knew. <laughs> nobody I don't. Knew I don't that. think many people, even till this to this day, know that that's my background right. in Australia. But right. so somewhere he gave a platform to Bollywood music yeah. to be fused with Latin culture, and somebody backed out. Hmm. I had already made a bucket list at this point. I was coming from a childlike space, and I had created a vision board that I wanted to do drag this year and check it off my bucket wow. list. Yeah. So somebody fell out of that event and I stepped in and that's when I felt celebrated for not only my culture yeah. my ability to dance and choreograph yeah. but also my femininity was being celebrated yeah. that's what I was missing from the scene a mm. South Asian right. queen right and, and and our way of what drag would be because it's very different yeah. our dance style our expression yeah absolutely. it's not twerking it's not stripping right. it's not it's different. Yes. And absolutely. I needed to bring that in because I needed to create a space for my people. Mm-hmm. I felt a calling come over. Wow. And there was only one other drag queen who then invited me and a couple of my other friends who were at this party. They were also the next performer right after me. So mm. they took part in one of these pageant shows that happens at these other venues, Oasis, mm-hmm. right before the pandemic. And they gave us a chance to represent South Asia on a competitive stage mm-hmm. that way and we were the backup dancers and they threw in and we won first runner-up and the sheer wow. immense feedback from both of these milestone events absolutely all these south asian kids yes. crying writing messages to me days later yeah how much my my the stories of my performances went to mumbai and delhi and people were yeah. writing yeah. to me from these far corners oh, wow. that someone somewhere out there is being right. fierce somewhere else yes. in san francisco Yes. And that was changing their lives. And they yeah. were beginning to dance in their rooms yeah. and sending me clips. Right. So I suddenly knew. Someone is integrating the, the queer. Yeah. It, or it's, it's somewhat an integration of queer and Indian culture. But really it's a kind of new, like, uh, it's maybe the next word, you know, the, the theme we're talking about, authentic intersectionality. Yeah. Drawing it to that. We've told this story which pulls identities from multiple nations, um, a family story, um, cultural stories, um, relationships, different skills and talents, and now finally you had found something that honored, I believe, everything, uh, everything at once. Yeah. And in, and in doing mm-hmm. so, you've got this beautiful feedback from people related to one of these things, um, specifically it's being South Asian and queer, it sounds like, yeah. and lauding you for like, oh my gosh, someone's doing it yeah and it's funny because there was a twofer effect so yes the quest was to go back to the inner child to then become the most authentic version of that inner child which was free from being called masculine or feminine by way of expressing myself and getting celebrated for doing dragon the feminine side of things I was able to take the shame away from that and just go into fully knowing now that what I was experiencing as dissonance from the community or not feeling represented or affirmed mm-hmm. or what does it mean to be Indian and gay? Yeah. What does it mean to be Indian and queer? Where is the where where are the queer stories from India? Mm. So I made make it almost made it my quest mm. to go deeper 
And yeah, I even found reference points in our spirituality. There are mm-hmm. goddesses, Absolutely. trans goddesses. Yeah. And so there's that's the other side. I had Shiva. Right. Which is a balance of yin and yang. Right. But I actually had, I learned my queer history. I yes. learned what colonization did to our yes. queers in our culture. Yes. So I became a little bit annoyed yeah, that um, queer culture, as it has played out, yes. is somehow dictated by the West. Yes. And I wanted to create a space mm-hmm. for a new type of being queer, yeah. which is the Indian way or the yeah. South Asian way. Yeah. And bring our culture and music into it. Absolutely. So my spirituality guided me into my purpose mm-hmm. outside of my day job, which I still have. Yeah. But I found the drive and gumption and energy to then put it for myself and my skills from my past. Yes. Into creating more visibility and representation yeah for my people absolutely which i'll say admittedly unfortunately at first i was looked at as a crazy person by my own friends the people that mm. had made uh, as friends up until that point mm. they couldn't see the vision i was having in my head they couldn't mm. see the reason and the importance mm. for which this needed to be done mm. but i was like if i'm only finding one drag artist Sanjeev who's a Bay Area drag artist there's, but in the city where I reside there's no one right. so having done these two events and then the pandemic happened so the pandemic led to a lot of internal reflection like right. really going into purpose mode and I came out of it yeah. in 2021 just more fierce expressive with my outfits yeah. with my makeup and, or like yes. whatever little different things I was trying I was kind of pissed off at the toxic masculinity in the gay culture here and the circuit culture and I wanted to bring something different by Mm -hmm. being it and not just talking about it by just being it so in 2021 after this shutdown had kind of begun to end this is like even before the Delta variant we had a good pride in 2021 yeah me and my friends we just had we safely tested got our doses did all of the right things but we went out and we went out to celebrate our true selves. Yeah. And this version of me, nobody had seen yet. Where yeah. I was wearing feminine fabrics or flowing yes. fabrics yes. or like putting on a little makeup. Yes, yes. People that I had sort of lost in the pandemic shakeup was yeah. just as well because I found the ones who didn't care. Yes. My, my pandemic pod became my chosen family. Yes. And not a single one of them was Indian. Hmm. but what happened was they allowed me to find my persona as Mirage yeah. as 2021 would play out uh, all of last year in 2022 I took all this internal processing and the pre-pandemic moment of performing and getting that kind of feedback mm-hmm. I just ran with it mm-hmm. and all year last year I made all kinds of performances happen in all kinds of spaces yes. that are popular parties or people where where Indian people would also go yes, and then suddenly find, oh, there's someone from my background on stage and they would come and talk to me afterwards. Mm-hmm. Even those people that I lost with, from the pandemic shakeup and me doing drag and stuff would come back to me mm. and say things like, I didn't know I needed I know. to be affirmed right. that way. Right. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Absolutely. So it was a journey of being shunned yeah. by my own so-called friends. Mm. To then having them come back looking at me with a different set of eyes yeah. and 
we're not friends in that same way anymore or like in each other's lives anymore because pandemic really create created forged friendships strong close friendships with, within your pod so there's no love like lost in that sense like i still love all those people everybody's on a journey and that's fine but we all changed and everything just yes, shifted and, and changed and they were yes. suddenly people were calling me oh you're non binary you're a drag artist now or maybe you're you want to be trans so all these judgments came with it yes, and, but i was like that's not my job my job as an artist is to just keep my vision right. and my purpose and mission going right and my job last year was to constantly go to all these popular spaces and knock on the door ask for an opportunity yeah and showcase indian talent absolutely the way i know how from my background yes and i wanted to use my strengths to my to the op- to match the opportunity yes and it all led to creating my own event series yes, thum thum um which now is so well loved and appreciated mm-hmm. and people from non south asian backgrounds Absolutely. also come and yes. and feel feel the energy difference and yes there is a way to be different mm-hmm. uh, in the queer world mm-hmm. and indianness is part of that difference and you can find that no um and i made sure yeah that when people come to this event that i've created that they can be a hundred percent themselves. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. thank you so much. It's, it's like, all leads up to this uh, moment, which is I think how we really met. And when I asked you, like, can we have this conversation, which was at Doom, and I, I had literally just gotten back from India. I was visiting. I studied there for four months. I had, I loved it. I loved the way dance and color, um, and food and just like life is vibrant and intense and chaotic and it scared the shit out of me at first. Yeah. I almost left school early um and then I I met someone the boy. And yeah. He showed As me, it happens. He yeah. showed me how to just ride that wave. Yeah. And I think I was forever changed in just like appreciating and um appreciating India but more than that it's it's way of being and it's way of um being with the world and with each other and in community and culture and it's you just have to go and to I always was like sad at that time it was before the law was passed before it was legal yeah. to be um be legal to be gay yeah um so it was very closed doors sneaking around yeah. you know late nights mm-hmm. and then suddenly came back and I visited and okay Mumbai has like these queer parties now and yeah. there's drag queens and they're bringing performers and right. like it can be said and there's even flags yeah. and I'm so happy to see this and it's also beautiful to see that it's while a lot is copy pasted from the from the west as far as drag in some terms and some music styles there's also so much more that's different and that's so fun and like I got really into Bollywood since ever since I went to to India mm-hmm. now to come back and <laughs> sorry for the no, intro to come not, back yeah. to, and then like doom was happening the, yeah. a week after yeah um and i was like oh my gosh you know um we were just talking about this with my queer friends in india like yeah. um i like i wish there was something like this in the states that there's yeah. not um and so then we come and we go and um it was beautiful to see uh, you know to hear bollywood music and to be like oh i know this song right um and there's also the beauty of seeing all of the outfits 
Yeah. Um, and how that's blending now, like yeah. uh, Indian fabrics, or, yeah. uh, or in general South Asian fabrics uh, with whatever fabrics we're using in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and then the diversity of people, right. like congratulations. And it was packed, it was sold out. The performers, I haven't heard people cheer that loud in Oasis <laughs> in a long time. Right. Um, and I saw the tips flying, and everyone just couldn't stop smiling. So you really succeeded. And then you performed for yeah. us with an original song. Wow, yeah, that's been a different <laughs> um, uh, journey altogether, the art, the, 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 the songwriting and melody writing. Um, that's that's the, definitely something I will get to, but I do want to say that the it is so important as queer people for us to be authentic 100% to ourselves first and then mm -hmm. by extension to the world because queer people are at the forefront at the cutting edge of just being real mm. a lot of what we see in the world is a direct impact of people not acknowledging within themselves their own issues their traumas yeah yeah. comparison jealousy yeah. you, whether you take a nation or a world leader mm -hmm. or politics or in, in in the corporate world in the gay world competition between artists we're made to feel like we have to compete with each other mm -hmm. and have to cut each other down to get ahead mm. that is a capitalistic model yeah. that I don't understand and yeah. by bringing queer Indian representation or South Asian representation not in a competitive way but it's like this is also available Absolutely. it's the approach i'm using in life for every aspect of my life and yeah. this is the way i wanted to introduce indian culture i've asked everybody to wear indian outfits and jewelry and fabrics and if, even if you don't have it we have it available at our event to buy yes, yes. and i call it participation not appropriation i think we're too politically correct and uh, too yes. sensitive sometimes i feel like the, we, sh we should treat ourselves as world citizens. Mm -hmm. That's my quest. My quest is to bring everybody together over a sharing of music. Mm -hmm. So someone like you one day can say, oh, I actually recognize this Hindi song. Mm -hmm. Isn't that beautiful? Because the thing is, I speak English today and I'm, speak I'm with you in America and I'm talking to you in your language. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, what is it called? Code switching sure. to, to meet you in your language. Right. I don't think people in America realize the impact America has on the rest of the world that one. Hollywood has, that yeah. pop culture has, even queer pop culture for that matter. Yes. So it's important then mm -hmm. to, within that space, bring out the voices and stories Absolutely. and cultures that need to be expressed. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's not just one way to be. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I found... By creating Dhoom, I was able to give avenue and space to all the South Asian queer people, yeah. lesbian folks included. This party had trans people, lesbian people, yes, gay people, everyone. people but their sisters, their best friends. Lots of allies, corporate. yeah. It was definitely intentionally non-sexualized, even yeah. in the design of the poster, because that's the exact thing I wanted to do different uh, from what I was seeing from the scene. I see. What I saw in Castro and the leather... I mean, there's a history with leather bars and Soma right. and Mission and right. Folsom. There's so much there to unpack. But I started believing that's not my story. I'm an Indian queer guy. Mm. I don't need to come to San Francisco and copy paste that over and just take mm -hmm. that on and run with it. Yeah. There's a different queer history here in this yeah. country 
and they've got their own traumas and yeah. things that have resulted from that traumatic past mm-hmm. i was seeing manifestations of that when i mentioned addiction when i mentioned drugs mm-hmm. like this is what you're doing with your freedom that's the question that came to me in my immigrant <laughs> head yeah absolutely. i said Valid. this is what yeah. you're doing with your freedom as queer men mm-hmm. we should be shepherding and being the leaders for the next generation mm. not just passing trauma-based behaviors taken on from our next. traumatic past and just <laughs> passing it on as party culture right. to the next generation wow i wanted it to be a celebration of culture mm-hmm. of art of expression and those who align with that i found were the dancers the performers the mm. sure some of us can be plagued by our addictive patterns too but that's where creation takes place that's where mm-hmm. creativity is fostered and that's where we shine as queer people i believe all of us are creative in some way whether it's furniture design whether it be cooking whether it could be organizing a cupboard i don't know yeah take your creativity and run with it is my message and so anybody who performed in my party were also in that specific edition that you came to some of them were novice noobs performing for the first time in front of a crowd ever even. Yeah. yeah and i wanted to even platform them yes and i wanted it to be a place where people could bring their family their friends mm-hmm. and not feel weird about it mm-hmm. because of some kind of drug infused behavior that might take place right no judgment but at the same time i wanted that party to just be kosher yeah for all expressions to come and just feel celebrated first yeah and the physical physicality part of it to be like much much after yeah like as a consideration because yeah. i found when what was the dissonance why did dhoom get created why mm. i felt such a calling was because every time i would watch in my initial years before i got into my spirituality and everything I just saw constant repeating patterns of people just going out to forget their week, mm. uh, drink themselves into you know a blackout, mm. or just keep taking drugs every weekend, going hard. But to what end was mm. my question. Mm-hmm. Where is the future forwardness? Yeah. How can you just constantly shit the bed in every city and keep moving to different cities to repeat the same mistakes and like yeah, yeah. overachievement or or running away from your mistakes what should uh, i call it i don't know so if you're yeah. going to be part of a community you have to be answerable and accountable to that community mm. you can't have a use and throw attitude much like a colonizer's mindset yes. and i believe that was the issue i was finding that there was a hedonism that i don't want to change but it's a direct part of the trauma of this country's queer history that comes from the HIV crisis and how it was handled mm. and how we in turn value ourselves and our lives and what meaning it has mm. which shows up in ways we don't plan for our future mm. let alone leading the fu- the next generation right if we are lost in our own cycle of repetitive behaviors and traumas how are we going to leave a legacy behind of improvement of growth yeah so i just decided to be that person wow and just create a space and show a different way and now the art piece is what i want people to focus on if you have something to say something to show speak it be mm-hmm. it show it so that's why i've created this event series and i sh- lead by example by showing my own art mm. so outside of drag drag was just a pathway i realize in hindsight now at first i was like I just want to knock on all these parties that people go to and put a Bollywood stamp on it or yep. just at least show that Bollywood was here 
where yeah. Indian culture was here too. That was my mission at first. Yeah. It culminated into Dhoom. Yep. But what happened after was that the one that you attended was the second edition. Yes. By then, I had found the confidence and the drive to take music writing that I'd been doing over the pandemic. Yeah. It had actually started before the pandemic. I'd already started writing songs. Oh, wow. And I realized that I had this capability to write melodies and lyrics. Yeah. Now it was time to find a producer who can actually put my vision to life. So it <laughs> yes. was, again, it was a queer community that came through. Yeah. I cannot demonize San Francisco even though there are parts of it that I don't agree with and there are things that I find that are problematic. Of course. I'm providing solutions in ways that I find best and yeah. I'm doing that. But at the same time, San Francisco is the place where I found artists, queer yes. artists who yes. are bold and fierce and le leaders in their own right. The producer I'm working with is also such a queer artist, brilliantly talented, young. Yes. There's so much the community has to offer to the world. Mm -hmm. the whole queer community of the world. So by collaborating with other people who are experts in their own field, I wanted to bring my vision to life and I was mm. able to create the song, my first single. Yes. And, and I placed with a residency with ODC, the dance company. They had a queer BIPOC program, which I applied oh, wow. for. Beautiful. And I scored, you know, studio space, which is a wow. welcome resource. Yes. And I found queer dancers, hired yes. them, yes. taught them Bollywood-esque yes. hip-hop slash whatever my influences. I used all of it to put it <laughs> yeah. into it. Yeah. And you'll hear it in the sound of my song, Ritual. You'll see it in the performance of Ritual. I was able to perform it in multiple places yeah. and get 2,000 streams out in the first month alone. Such yes. support from the community could not have happened without San Francisco. Mm. It's okay to acknowledge problems and still be proud of where you are at in this town, in this city, in this community. Yeah, of course. So um, my hope is to keep moving in that direction. And whoever finds inspiration with that is just a blessing and a bonus. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing what I believe in myself. Yes. And if it's resonating this way, there must be something to it is all I'm taking away from it. Absolutely. I just know that I'm going to keep creating this space and give more people platform and continue showcasing my own art by way of song and dance and be an EDM producer, songwriter, mm -hmm. singer, yeah, and continue evolving like everyone must. Yes, yes, we all must. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's San Francisco. Uh, we, we love it, but just because you love something doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt you at times or that it um, or that it's not un, un, you know somewhat painful in some way that it can, that it causes that it causes pain and yes we have we have behaviors here leftover traumas yeah um, but we on top of everything um, we're overarching always have new ideas new people coming in from all over um, and a, a community that's willing to protest <laughs> quite yes. often and to make change um, mm -hmm. and the city requires it it's a very tough city to, to make it in because of how expensive it is yes um, it's a very important point yes <laughs> uh, and so if you if you don't change here you know you quickly can fall by the wayside um, and what I found helps me through all the change because I've been in several situations in between jobs or job lifts um, mm. uh, where the community is the only thing that gets me really through um, and 
people, you know, between couches and people helping you job search and yeah. um, digging deep into into what our lives mean. What does it mean? It's it's hard as a queer person. You know, you don't have all these. Um, this set story that yeah. the heterosexual communities around the right. world have scripted. Yeah. Yours was very, very scripted. You mm-hmm. had everything laid out. Pre-decided, yes. Yeah. Um, and suddenly it's, it's a blank slate, and now we have to find new meaning. A freeing, but very, actually, a challenge. Yeah, I think that's the part we try to avoid answering for ourselves in mm. these behaviors is that, that sometimes we grapple with and not knowing what to do next or feeling some kind of stuckness that leads us to mm. switch cities or shake up things, shake right. up careers. That's why queer people are known to create these kind of shakeups in their life multiple times. Yeah. I came here to plant roots and I was very clear on that. Yeah. I had clarity from having experienced something life changing. Then I was back oh. into a corner. Yeah. I had to go to a place where I could find haven in. Yeah. Now I'm an American citizen as of last fall. But that journey taught me something that my life has to amount to something bigger than myself. Mm. Any issues and problems and darkness I face that got me to this place, no other kid from my background or otherwise, if I can help it, should should have to face mm. any of those things. Mm-hmm. So I made sure to make my life go in a pathway that can be a reference point, if not an inspiration to for a kid like me, at mm. the bare minimum from my background specific background yeah. so that they can have a positive example to look up to that life can be better life can be good you can be your fierce full self and be accepted for it and also celebrated for it Absolutely. and you don't have to fall into comparison games around body issues image right. things what algorithms right. and instagram and posters of events will feed you whether it's circuit parties or castro parties or wherever these parties happen there's so much to unpack, even the, the racial aspect of it, the yeah. body color, yeah. brown person, hairy, not hairy. There's so much to unpack there, but yeah. we can get down on ourselves in so many multitude of ways. Absolutely. All one must seek out in this community, and I think what I want to champion more of mm. is just to be yourself, be your authentic self, and be kind. Right. Right. Let's be kind to one another. Absolutely. Let's leave the RuPaul... Uh, brand of cattiness (laughs) towards the confident ones who can dish it because they can take it then the ones who are coming from all over the world are like souls at a place where they really need warmth not that cattiness and um, I'm hoping that Dhum proves to be that kind of place where we can feel celebrated absolutely Um, and hope that Mm -hmm. ripples out and and, and, and becomes a thing Yes. Yeah. Me too. It's. Uh, I'm so grateful that you you put on uh, Doom and to witness it in this stage and to be here with you and to hear this whole story. Um, I think you've really connected what it means to be to to live life and for you almost living several separate lives concurrently, mm. um, and then uh, starting a new chapter. It's like you had all these books open and unstarted at different times. Mm. And now you're in a place where they all are together and, and there's a there's a thread and there's a truth. And um, you're shining bright and showing all of us like uh, what that what that means to uh, make friends with that past because mm. you've you've had a past that um, like undeniably is as as rich and full of challenges as anyone. Um, so thank you for, for sharing that with us today. Thank you, Kobe, <laughs> and for these beautiful culminating words I should say yeah it's nice to hear 
should be reflected back to me this way. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. Mm. All right. That's our show. But wait, before we end this episode, Mirage has a special gift for you. It's a preview of their latest song, Can't Get Enough. Enjoy. Walking around circles in the dark Was looking and searching for a light Struck by the hurt inside my heart Then I saw your diamond dancing eyes Never seen such a face before Never felt this touch before Was an unbeliever suddenly now I believe Real as ever Dancing close to me Your love, life